Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Stoicism as a philosophy and as a way of life is an ascetic philosophy. That means that it involves, as we've got it translated here, some sort of training, some ascesis. Another way of thinking about it is disciplining, a disciplining of the self. When we talk about somebody engaging in ascesis or being an ascetic, very often people will think about monastic orders or self-denial or things along those lines. And there is something to that. But the point of doing anything ascetic, at least for the philosophers, is to get oneself to a better condition. And that's part of what the Stoic philosophy is doing. It is a philosophical position that holds that human beings should live the most rational rational life possible. But the, the Stoics really understood that our rationality is not something that works sort of like a computer or a robot where we just put the right information in and suddenly everything comes out correct on the other side. Instead, it's a matter of training, of retraining ourselves so that we can become happier, freer, so that things can work out better for us because we have set ourselves up for that. So, there is a chapter where Epictetus talks explicitly about what training involves. There are many discussions of training throughout the discourses, but this one is particularly useful. So the goal of Stoic training is to be able to actually live out the good life as Stoic philosophy understands it. So what is that like? He gives you one gloss on it here. He says, the goal is to act without hindrance in choice and in aversion. It's also, you know, we could say to bring our faculty of choice in accordance with or to harmonize it with nature. It's also to be able to live out our relations to other people as we would like to and as we recognize we ought to in ways that are good. There's many different ways to frame exactly what Stoic philosophy understands as the good life because it's, you know, a fairly complex conception, right? The goal, though, is to actually live that out, not just to talk about it, as Epictetus points out to us. It's not enough to read Stoic philosophy. We have to actually put it into practice and not just put it into practice by applying it, but by doing that over and over again and learning, well, is this working for me? What are the obstacles? All those are parts of training. So he begins by talking about training desire and aversion away from externals. We might think about this in terms of training ourselves, centering training on what's most essential rather than on what is just for show or inessential. He talks at the beginning of this chapter about not taking our training in things that are unnatural or fantastic, because if we're doing that, we're pretending that we're philosophers, but we're actually charlatans. He says, it's a hard thing also to walk a tightrope, not merely hard, but dangerous too. Should we, for this reason, to practice walking a tightrope or setting up a palm or throwing arms around statues, which is what the cynics 
did. And Epictetus says, no, we don't need to do that. What we need to focus on is what's really at the core of Stoic philosophy, training the faculty of choice, training our rational faculty, overcoming the habits that we have that screw us up, working through the conflicts that we find in our behavior and our, our declarations about what we believe and what we value, doing all those sorts of things. We don't need to do things that are just showy. Those are externals. Those are not going to help us. A little bit later, he says, we want to train our desire and our aversion so that they focus on things that are actually in our power. So for example, we can't avoid dying sometime. Sooner or later, every one of us is going to die. That is unavoidable. We have a natural aversion to it. Our culture tends to intensify that by preaching that death is a terrible thing, as it has in nearly every human culture. And if we follow that out, we're going to be unhappy because we think, am I going to die this year? Am I going to die next year? How can I avoid it? I can't avoid it. Oh, woe is me, right? And we're not going to be made happy by that. Instead, we can train our aversion to focus on our own thought processes and our own emotions. We can say, man, I don't want to feel that way. And when we do that, as soon as we say, I don't want to feel that way, rather than I don't want that to happen to me, we are focusing on what's actually within the realm of our faculty of choice. So we want to retrain the desires and the aversions away from things that we don't have control over, external things, and towards our own valuations, our own processes. As he says, it's impossible without great and constant training to secure that our desire fail not to attain and our aversion fall not into what it would avoid. So you should be assured if you allow your training to turn outwards towards the things that are not in the realm of your faculty of choice, you will neither have your desire successful in attaining what it would, nor your aversion successful in avoiding what it would. So we want to start accumulating successes, you might say, by focusing on the things that we actually do have some control over and training our desire and our aversion on those things. He also talks about the need to build new habits. Why new habits? Because we already have old habits in place. It's not enough just to try to wipe out old habits. As a matter of fact, it's almost impossible to just wipe out a habit and replace it with nothing. We have to replace old habits with new habits. Habit plays an incredibly important role in any sort of training, whether it be technical training or some sort of artistic training or in training for the great event that is life. So he says, since habit is a powerful influence, when we've accustomed ourselves to employ desire and aversion only on those externals, we have to set a contrary habit to counteract this habit. Where the very slippery nature of appearance is in play, there we must set our training as a counteracting force. So we have to create new habits. If we find ourselves being the kind of person who is inclined towards eating too much, not having self-control when it comes to food, then we have to figure out, well, what new habit am I going to put in place that could actually counteract that habit? And so this leads us to the next bits of advice that he gives. He says, when you're in training, you don't have to, as, as the proverb goes, boil the ocean. Focus on the things that you can actually attain success in, and the things that you know are beyond you at this point, get away from them. 
don't even get involved with those sorts of things. So for example, if you know that you cannot deal with your anger problems, then you probably, when you feel yourself getting angry, need to go somewhere else and not engage. It's not for you yet to try to work on that. If you find that you cannot control your desires for food or for drink or things like that, then you probably need to remove that as a sort of occasion and then maybe leave that up to somebody else. Certainly don't go out to Dunkin' Donuts or the ice cream shop or things like that and put those temptations in your way, right? And we could go on and on and on about that. If you find that you're having a very difficult time dealing with sexual attraction, then try to minimize the occasions on which that's going to become an issue, you know? So that's a very good bit of advice right there to put off certain things. You don't have to try to work on every single part of yourself in training at the same time because that's that's sort of a recipe for, for failure. Now, the things that you do need to work upon, that's something that you have to think about. And he gives some great examples here. He says, I'm inclined to pleasure. I will betake myself to the opposite side of the rolling ship and that beyond measure so as to train myself. So what you do is you determine what things you need to work on and that you think you can actually make some success with, at least at, at the time being, and you place yourself at the other extreme from those things. So, you know, you find yourself spending far too much time on the internet and, and checking your email every 20 minutes just to see whether something came in or checking your Facebook. Maybe what you need is to say, I'm going to limit myself to only 30 minutes a day. That, that might be an extreme. Or you quit cold turkey. <laughs> That's another extreme. Here's some other examples. I'm inclined to avoid hard work. Well, if you want to fix that, strain and exercise your, your sense impressions to this end so that your aversion from everything of this kind shall cease. The things that you have out of control desires or out of control aversions towards, they will get better if you put yourself at the other extreme for a while and you use your faculty of choice, which you do have, to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Eventually you'll find that those desires no longer are quite so strong. You see this with, you know, trying to overcome addictions to, for example, tobacco. Very tough one right there, you know. But if you manage to go for, in my experience with that is, the first three, four days were pretty horrible. And once you got past that, except when I would, you know, see people smoking on TV or go to a bar where people are smoking, or have a cup of coffee and think, boy, a cigarette would be very good right now, which I have control over, right? The desire would, would begin to cease. And, and the same thing works for many other things as well. So he goes on and he says, different people are going to have to practice particularly to meet different things. Every one of us has to figure out, well, where are my weaknesses? Where are the things that I feel have control over me, even though I should have control over them? And then what am I going to use the element of control that I do have to counteract that, to oppose to that? So that's a key part of this training desire and aversion. Now, there are two other fields that Epictetus thinks need to be studied as well and become part of this training. I've done another video about the three fields, so you can, you can check that out. It's another core concept video, and I just want to mention these. The other two fields of study have to do with choice and choosing against or refusal and with assent. And the, the area of choice also includes our duties, what, what it is that we ought to do, our obligations. Assent includes all sorts of epistemological or logical issues. How do we figure out whether we're getting things right or not? 
Those are things that we also have to do training on. Epictetus is more talking about this first part because he thinks that that one is where you need to start. That you can't immediately jump into studying syllogisms and arguments and, and, and analyzing them until you've actually got a good foundation set for yourself with this other stuff. There's one other thing that he says, and it's not in, in that one, it's actually in 315. He says it's very important that you think through what you're committing to. If you want to be successful, you cannot just snap your fingers and start out. You want to actually think this through in a methodical way. He says, consider which of the things you purposed at the start you've achieved and which you have not. Likewise, how it gives you pleasure to recall some of them and pain to recall others, and if possible, recover also those things which have slipped out of your grasp. What follows from this? Well, we have to think through whether we can actually bring about all of these sorts of things. And we're much more likely to be successful with it if we don't just immediately you know, get enthusiastic about it and jump into it, just like people do with diets or exercise programs or self-help books or you know, whatever other causes they think are gonna make their life meaningful. And instead, you know, almost put it down on paper and think it out, probably with the help of another person as well, figuring out, well, what do I actually need to work on? What are my habits? that I'm troubled by? What are the things that I probably need to avoid the occasions for, the temptations that are likely to draw me in? What are the things that I can make some progress on at this time, and how am I going to do that? That is all part of training, and the, the goal ultimately for the Stoic is to not need a teacher to be able to do that, but to be able to do continue this on your own. But that may not be something that the person beginning in training can do any more than somebody can just grab a book and suddenly learn martial arts by studying pictures rather than having an instructor or, you know, somebody learning music. It can be the same way. In any case, you see just how much goes into this stoic notion of training or discipline, escasis. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.